0: Hey everyone, welcome to Group Thinkers, the podcast from RKD Group. I'm your host, Justin McCord. And uh, on this special episode of Group Thinkers, we pull together a super group, a panel. Uh, you know, Group Thinkers is uh, a podcast about innovation and in nonprofit marketing. That's why we started this podcast. And that's the spirit behind every conversation that we have is about innovation, understanding what's happening in nonprofit marketing, what's coming, and what are new thoughts and, and ways to think about uh, aspects of nonprofit marketing. And uh, and recently, RKD Group has partnered with the Nonprofit Alliance to commission some research through McQueen, Mackin and Associates, around the sentiment of donors, as we head into the last quarter of calendar year 2020. That's right, we've made it. And by the time we publish this episode, we'll be into November. And looking down the pike at the last six to eight weeks, we've made it this far. So, so we commissioned this research, and the idea behind it was: in 2020 has been a heck of a ride. Like, what a what a weird year for us as marketers. And we've seen such a surge in giving. We just had recently the Fundraising Effectiveness Project put out uh, the second quarter results of the FEP study that showed that giving was up, retention was up, new donors were up. Everything seems up, 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 up. And, And that creates some uncertainty on what's to come. It's... It, it, it creates this massive amount of uncertainty on, on the last two months of the year, which has historically been crucially important for nonprofits, especially on the online side. So, so we have that uncertainty that's boiling. And then next week here in the U.S., we have uh, a little election. And uh, by all accounts, the election is going to be a topic of conversation. And a focus and and probably uh, beyond November 3rd election day. And so as we look at the last six to eight weeks of the year, we were really curious on what do donors think? Do they feel tapped out? Do they feel stressed? Do they feel uh, burdened? Do they feel overwhelmed? You know, as as we see surges, and, uh, and cases starting to rise again? What does that do to the mindset of, of folks who have been giving over the course of this year and giving in all-time highs? And so we we commissioned this study with the Nonprofit Alliance. And uh, and Josh McQueen from McQueen Mac Associates, who's on this panel, talks about the study. Uh, it talks about the methodology behind the study and what aspects we are trying to understand. And we get into some of the nuggets of the study. So On this episode, we have Shannon McCracken, who's the CEO of the Nonprofit Alliance. Uh, Shannon is now a third, uh, this is her third appearance, a three-time guest on Group Thinkers, And and we think the world of Shannon, she is brilliant. And you're going to hear that on this episode. We also have Max Bunch, Executive Vice President of RKD Group. Um, I love Max because he is a global strategic thinker. And I mean that in multiple layers, right? He sees so much. And can speak into so much uh, because of his experience in the nonprofit space. And then we have Josh McQueen, founder and, and principal at McQueen Mackin Associates and uh, research savant. So on this conversation, you're going to hear the four of us discuss the research, and uh, and then you know we'll recap it uh, as we get on the other side of the chat. So for now, here's Shannon McCracken, Max Bunch, and Josh McQueen. On Group Thinkers. Uh, so, welcome to uh, this panel chat, right? Welcome to this episode of Group Thinkers, uh, and yeah, I don't think we've had this many folks on a single episode, so this is going to be fun uh, and, and interesting. I, I've got three guests with me, and each are experts in uh, on a different side of the roots Cube. I think, in terms of our, our conversation today, uh, w- what we're talking about today is uh, is a, a set of research that RKD Group and the Nonprofit Alliance have commissioned through our research partner, McQueen Mackin and Associates, to understand the perceptions of at this point in 2020 as they look ahead to the last three months of the year. And so joining me for this conversation, I've got Shannon McCracken, the CEO of the Nonprofit Alliance. I've got Max Bunch, uh, Executive Vice President at RKD Group. And I've got Josh McQueen, founder of uh, McQueen, Mackin & Associates. Uh, Welcome to all of you. Shannon, just at the outset, could you give a a brief introduction on your background and the role that you serve uh, at the Nonprofit Alliance?
1: Sure. Thanks, Justin. So, as you said, I'm CEO of the Nonprofit Alliance and the Nonprofit Alliance Foundation, which is our our educational arm. And um, but before this, I was with Special Olympics for 17 years in a development role. Left there as as vice president of donor development. So this time of year always gives me that like balance of tension and excitement as we're heading into to year end. Um, I spent a couple of years with Charity Navigator in the chief development role chief development officer role there and then helped launch the non the nonprofit alliance a couple of years ago. Um, and and we're an association for um, for people and organizations in the nonprofit industry, focus a lot on philanthropy and, and development as well as the other areas of of nonprofit work alongside the corporate partners that that support us. So really happy to be here. Thanks Justin.
0: Yeah, super excited to to have you be a part of this conversation. Josh, uh, give us a a brief background on your career and uh, and specifically your work in Chapter 2 of your career with nonprofits.
2: Exactly. Uh, Well, the first part of my career was um, uh, for 15 years, I served as Executive Vice President of Leo Burnett's Research Planning and Database Marketing Group. Uh, And the Database Marketing Group, turned out to be one of the largest sources of income that um, Leo Burnett earned. Um, So that was interesting transition from being a researcher to being an ad man. Um, But I decided to um, uh, go into nonprofits at a relatively uh, uh, young age. Um, And because I thought, hey, you know, big nonprofits are gonna look just like big companies, you know, McDonald's, Disney, all those that I've been serving not. <laughs> the nonprofit world and, and how you raise money and uh, an essential difference was always that um, I am going to buy two of tapes today. So the question is, which one? Um, whereas in the nonprofit world, I have no obligation to give to you ever. Uh, I may have given to you for seven years in a row, and I can leave you tomorrow and never need, uh feel a felt need. And so we quickly discerned that people don't give to things that they're Aware of necessarily, they don't give to organizations that they um, like um, necessarily because they like a lot more and are aware of a lot more than they ever give to. But they give those to that meet the passion of their heart. If they're giving the heart. Uh, so we've been focusing on trying to understand that uh, focus of the heart among three different samples. We've developed you know pretty systematic ways to uh, capture. Uh, donor dollars, who gives donor dollars, and what do they look like, and our numbers match giving USA's uh, real well. So we understand that world and that's, and we can do that through careful uh, quota control of online national samples. Uh, Then we also look at who do your donors look like. So we pull sample from uh, your people who have given to you or have lapsed within the past two years. and you know a lot of our definitions of lapsed are um, uh, internal discussions. You know, I haven't. This person hasn't given to me a year, so he's lapsed. Well, you go talk to them and they consider themselves a current donor. So we try to take a donor definition of current and lapsed. Um, and then finally, um, of course, we work, do a lot of uh, custom work uh, for clients. You know, if you're a faith-based ministry, you Talk to people who are giving to their faith and so forth. Um, so, uh, obviously, research the key is a great questionnaire. Uh, and you know, that's why it's been great to have you guys as partners because um, the interaction of, you know, the, of the agency on the front line and the client and a good research company is what makes
0: a great study it's fun to question a questionnaire <laughs> there's <laughs> there's this really weird tension uh and and we you know Josh we we do a lot of projects together and and uh, it's always insightful and revealing on a number of fronts max uh you have been in the space for uh, a really day or do. two yeah uh-huh. so well, why don't you give a, a, a quick flyby on on your career and, and your current role at Arcady
3: flying by on me is first, I'm proud to announce that those are not my dogs in the background barking. Uh, they could be, they could be, but not today. So that's, uh, you know, I've got that going for me. Uh, I am the executive vice president of consulting and client service at RKD. I've been at RKD for 22 years. i uh, been in the business for 30 and uh, serving a a wide variety of clients and 11 different verticals, uh, you know, uh, concentrating consulting and client service and saying consulting because, you know, it, it covers a wide swath of different uh, disciplines, uh, uh, been around long enough to have been involved in the birthing and acceleration of things in direct mail, in digital, in data, in analytics, and telemarketing, and text, and, and research, and a variety of things, but all uh, all designed to perform better for clients and and uh, drive deeper relationships with donors. So uh, and and I think uniquely positioned uh, at RKD in the sense that I I get a chance to see, uh, you know, data, relationships, performance in. Uh, over 250 different clients in a variety of different verticals uh, and and that's a that's a fun place to sit and you can you can see a lot of convergences a lot of trends and uh, uh, some things that are uh, worth noting some things that are just crazy uh, and and uh, uh, other things that can be quite insightful so happy to be here and share what I can.
0: Yeah, thanks, Max, for, for that. Uh, and, you know, so uh, as you think about the crazy, uh, 2020 is certainly a year of the crazy, right? Um, Shannon, I, I want to throw it to you. You mentioned your time at Special Olympics and and not only that, but Charity Navigator and, and even a TMPA with the, the foundation side. You've got a client lens that I appreciate so much. Uh, and so you're used to a raised level of anxiety as you hit this point in the calendar year, late October, looking down the road at the last two months. Uh, but this year is very, very different. Right. And, and rewinding back to, and we were, we were together in person in DC last February at, uh, at, at a conference. And then all of a sudden, you know, yeah. it all changed, right. It all changed March 11th. And we've talked about that a ton, but, you know, I, I think that it, it's, it's really a good primer for talking about this donor sentiment research. Um, could you talk about the impetus and in, in your interest in this project, uh, why the current climate is, um, is starved for an understanding of how people are going to respond or not between now and, and the end of this year?
1: Absolutely. Yes. And there's, there's been no shortage of hypothesizing this year about what year end is going to look like, because that's what we do. That's what our, that's what our agency partners like RKD group do. That's, that's what we're all, that's in our DNA is to look at data and say what's going to happen at year end and you, you forecast, but forecasts are really just saying what's happened before will continue to happen, but more so. And everything we say, you call 2020 crazy, we can call it unprecedented, we can come up with all sorts of lovely names for 2020. Um, but but the point is, we are all very dubious of past models being predictors for what 2020 year end is going to look like, because none of it feels like an exact kind of parallel fit. Um, and And there's this wave of generosity this incredible wave of generosity from individual donors in the spring and summer that for a lot of organizations helped fill those gaps where other sources of revenue cut off so event fundraising and and face-to-face fundraising that those channels were just literally switch flipped overnight weren't happening um foundations that changed some of their programmatic focus and so money that you were counting on even recurring commitments or, or um, intent from foundations suddenly shifted as they were focusing both on COVID relief and the racism as, as we got into the um, summer, and, um, and then government funding, organizations that rely on, on funding from state and federal government, and some of that has dr- drastically changed this year. And so donors have helped, um, first of all, keep some organizations open, and have actually helped some organizations really thrive, that, that there are nonprofits reporting that they are ahead of where they were year to date last year. So on one hand, we want to be optimistic, we want to be really excited about your end but um, you, we don't know. Is this like disaster giving that we've seen in the past that donors are sort of pulling from a different pocket, right, where, where they they are giving because there's immediate need, but it doesn't change their plans to give sort of as they usually do in November, December, Or was this, in fact, a complete change in behavior where donors said, this is how much money I intend to give this year. And instead of waiting until year end to give, I'm going to do what's right and give right now when the need is right in front of me and when it's greater, but that money's gone. The wallet's empty at year end. And that's, you know, how do you plan for that as a nonprofit? It's this unknown. And so in some of the conversations that RKD and the Nonprofit Alliance were having, we said, let's, I mean, let's go ask the donors. Seems pretty obvious, right? And so with Josh's help, we were able to go out and, and have that discussion, get that information directly from the donors themselves. And while, and Josh can talk more to the the art and science of this, I mean, we know that what people say they're going to do doesn't always actually match what they do, but What the the results from this survey gave us really good insight into donor intent. And so it goes back and answers that question about did did donors shift their giving or are they still planning to give at year end? And what we found from this is insight into their willingness to give, which means willingness to be asked, which means development directors have their work cut out for them, an opportunity there and capacity to give, that the wallet isn't completely empty and they're still um, contributing potential at year end.
0: Yeah, re- really good framework, and so you know, and and we'll talk about it throughout. But the the full research is available at rkdgroup.com/slash2020giving. Uh, More to give is the the name of the donor sentiment survey, and and that is somewhat of a spoiler, right? So, uh, Josh, I, I want to come to you from the research methodology side, and and you touched on this a little bit, but how do you survey and uh, and get a donor, how do you, first of all, how do you qualify who is and who is not a donor? And then second, how do you ask them questions to best understand their intent? Because there is an art and a science to this. Could you talk more about the methodology, the framework, the survey that uh, that we use for this project?
2: So in, in matching national dollars, um, what we've discovered is that the number of people who are giving to nonprofits over the past 10 years has steadily Stayed the same or slightly dropped, um, and w- when you look at the data, about a third of the U.S. doesn't give today. That's a drop. Uh, about a third of the U.S. gives under a hundred dollars uh, each year, um, and that's a rise. And about a third of the uh, U.S. population is giving over a hundred dollars, um, and and that has risen. Um, so. The absolute level of giving across um, uh, has stayed about the same, which given a, a dramatic increase in uh, household income in the last five years, given the uh, just increased population size, you would have expected it to grow faster than in previous years, but it has not been growing. And the average person gives between 1.1 and who, who's in this category, is between 1.1% and 2.5% of their uh, income to uh, uh, charitable causes, um, and, and we match that. Um, now, as we build the sample, um, there's some things you have to control for. Uh, women respond to questionnaires more than men, so you want a 50-50 split at the end of the day. Uh, young people and very old people respond to questionnaires better than middle-aged people. So you have to control for generational giving. Um, and when we're doing a donor survey trying to match U.S. giving dollars, uh, we only talk to people who give over hundred dollars. Now, you, part of that is that in the last you know, five to 10 years, um, millennials are giving a higher percent of their income than they did five or 10 years ago. But um, many of them are giving the, uh, anywhere up to 12 different nonprofits a year. So the amount that they give to any one nonprofit um, makes it very hard. And they have less loyalty when they give to 12 than they previous when they gave to six. So uh, building uh, uh, millennial uh, giving patterns that are uh, affordable and sustainable uh, has been a major issue for a lot of our clients. Um, so once we have controlling for level of giving, we're looking at the third of the population, about 38 percent who give over a hundred dollars a year. Um, And then the other is you never just ask, you go from the general to the specific, right? So before you ask anybody an intent question, you give them the information that they need through questions um, that might affect their level of giving. So you ask them in our case, you know, how did um, COVID-19, the pandemic, how has it affected you? And obviously, it's affected them economically, but it's also affected them emotionally because someone in their family got sick or didn't. Um, they fear getting sick or not. Um, and of course, there's been an election going on uh, that has uh, really uh, rejuvenated p- young people who are interested in voting. I mean, that's a, a double already. Um, and the, so their interest in uh for many of them, this is you know, one of the uh, first times in their life where they've really made sacrificial giving. So we were able to look at um, who's giving. Uh, we looked at their experience, how they're facing uh, COVID-19, the pandemic, and how it's uh, impacting. We asked their level of feeling of, is this going to go away? Is it going to stay? Uh, are you optimistic about your ability to make a difference or not? Uh, so we want to know why. Why is at the heart of every survey that we do? Um, way before we ask intent, if we ask the right setup questions, then their intent is well informed. Whereas if you just give people a list, you know they'll, oh yes, I'll do that. Um, and so uh, the findings made sense in that broad sense of understanding people as human beings.
0: That's really fascinating. Uh, There's so much there that, Shannon, we were talking earlier that we could go on three to four hours on the, you know, on the research. I think we could go three to four hours on the way the research is constructed before we even get to, you know, the specific research. But, you know, just in terms of, of framing up the research itself, as I mentioned, everyone can go download it, access it. There are four takeaways that I wanted to highlight to shape some of our conversation. And and that's that one donors who have given more uh, in 2020 plan to give again this year. So those that Josh commented on that have given from the hundred plus it was 67% plan to give more in the remainder of this year. Uh, Donors who are younger. So the younger half of Gen X might call them an Xennial, or the Oregon Trail generation, right? Mm-hmm. So that exennial and Younger, uh, they plan to give again this year. Uh, the more concerned, this is the third takeaway, the more concerned with the health impact of COVID-19, the more likely someone is to give. And fourth, donors donors themselves are optimistic and want to support where they see a need. So those are four takeaways amongst the uh, the dozens uh, uh, of, of nuggets that have come out of this study. Uh, Max, you work in, in kind of global strategy, as you were saying earlier. What do you make of these findings, and, and do any of them surprise you more than others?
3: Uh, yes, yes, and yes. Um, and I will, you know, as, as Shannon said earlier, could talk about this for easily. 20 minutes. I'll try not to, to wander too much. But, you know, the donors that have given more plan to to give again this year, uh, that I would have expected. Uh, you know, generous people uh, often lean into times like this. And this is why we've been recommending, you know, where possible additional stewardship uh, that can be sent their way. However, that might take shape and, and Cards or personal emails or or uh, uh, calls, uh, whatever you can do. It it also uh, lends to the idea that you need to have disciplined stewardship along the way for these donors who have given and will give more. You need disciplined stewardship along the way to make sure, in times like these, that they do give more. So uh, it's kind of a both and. uh, love up on them as much as you can right now, but make sure that you're, you've got a good level of love on them throughout the year. Uh, one thing that did uh, surprise me initially, it initially surprised me that donors who were younger planned to give again this year. And, and I say that I was initially surprised, I think because, you know, uh, many of our donor files, we talked about this uh, quite a bit. Many of our donor files are dominated by older givers, and you know, even when we talk about younger donors, sometimes we're talking about younger baby boomers, not necessarily uh, uh, X, Y, or, or or millennials. So when when we saw that that donors who are younger are planning to give more this year, uh, when we began to unpack that, and and uh, Josh has mentioned already the idea that. This is the first time. I mean, you know, this is their uh, uh, possibly their first time to really meet a huge global need that's come home to rest, and they're leaning into it. Uh, and and whether it's in an election or whether it's it's uh, uh, giving to a cause, uh, they want to be part of it. So uh, that is very under- understandable. And so they do. And for us, you also see this huge COVID bump. Uh, You mentioned, uh, you know, kind of a a bump in giving from COVID. But the uh, the idea that digital has received a huge, uh, a huge bump in giving this year. And uh, a lot of that is being fueled by younger donors. So this is why we're leaning into this by uh, aggressive digital but very informed digital watching engagement and trying to to follow uh uh where these younger donors are going and and what they feel they want to to give to and be a part of so strong digital year end uh you know we always recommend that but in this case there's even more on the table there's there's some uh, maybe a new donor a new young donor second gift could come at this time uh Fascinated by your your third point, uh, Justin, in in the the more concerned with health impact, the more likely donors are to give. Uh, uh, My colleague uh, Duke Smith, uh, who who uh, runs our Toronto office uh, and is a tremendous expert in uh, DRTV, and has been doing this as long as I have. Duke refers to something like this in in a a health crisis like this is kind of the the. The jet stream, if you will, of giving. If you can, if you can get up in that jet stream, it'll carry you farther and faster. And and I think health concerns, indeed, uh, we've seen them foster giving in a lot of areas, depending on the cause. And if you can make uh, your cause more relevant in in this area, uh, you'll see a, a significant increase in giving. So. Uh, you know, the fact that these people are, are, are not uh, backing off on their willingness to give, let's reward them for that. Don't back off one bit in our appeal cadence or, or, or what we're serving up. Uh, and then lastly, the, the idea that donors are optimistic and want to support where they see a need. <laughs> you know, the great thing about donors is in general, donors are optimistic because they give givers in general want. Things to be better, and they want to be part of things being better. And uh, this is this this isn't dependent on cause or being being uh, you know a first responder or uh, directly related to COVID. Uh, they see donors see needs, and and they if they're a donor to your cause, that they, they already see a need. So uh, COVID is just creating an urgent environment all around. And uh, I know to my colleagues, uh, I I sound like a a broken record, but I am a glass half full kind of fundraiser. Uh, And and I just think now is a great time to be in fundraising, uh, especially when you can make your your message uh, relevant regardless of channel. So uh, time to be uh, time to be cautious about things that are happening and be sensitive to things that are happening to people. But in regards to fundraising and the need for what we do, never been a
0: better time. Shannon, the, uh, the idea that Max was just presenting there about this jet stream for me, it, it really connected with what you were saying earlier about disaster donors and, and so many times around a disaster, there's a wave of support and there's a jet stream that if you can just jump into it, it will carry you. There's a reason why in nonprofit land, we have a very specific label for disaster donors, right? And right. so that, that lack of historic loyalty um, year over year or in other cycles that it's someone that you know, chips in in the moment, but maybe isn't well connected from the conversations that you're having with other nonprofit leaders. Are they thinking about these donors as disaster donors? Or are they putting a new label on them? What What are you hearing from your peers?
1: No, I think there's. I think we're hearing that question, right? Because we don't know yet. That so much of that determination is it's by circumstance, but it's also by how those donors. Continue to behave. You know, obviously, organizations when there is a disaster, certain organizations that are responding to that disaster, they expect that influx and they know. Um, but for these, there's that question mark. So I think a lot of organizations are kind of holding them in that that bucket, and there's a little bit of wait and see. Let's see, do they do do they make that second gift at year end? Are these donors who have their um, their existing donors on your your file? They've been given to your organization for a couple of years. They made a gift, kind of out of their normal seasonality this year do they come back and give is their um, attention or their loyalty to you different going forward is this those are all the questions and and as we head into next year as we're um, next calendar year and as as we're building next fiscal year budgets based on history what will be history um, those are the unknowns that we have to test for and measure for and and message for, right? And, and don't assume that the donors that came in your door on, in 2020 are going to behave like the ones in 2019, but also don't assume that they won't. Um, and, and so create a path, um, give them the, the cushy seat in the jet stream and, <laughs> to ride that out and see where it takes them. Um, because the, the worst we can do is just to, to make assumptions and pile them into a bucket without really knowing that that's their intent and interest.
3: I, that's that's spot on. The, the, don't assume they will, but don't assume they won't. I think one of the things that we are seeing is that a significant number of these new, uh, you know, you might COVID donors, the, instead of disaster donors, what what mm-hmm. they're they're urgency donors. There many of them are new donors. Our, our, our research is saying many of them are new donors. So don't discount just because of when their gift came in and what it was to don't put them over in that category of other oh, well disaster do give them a, give them an appeal if they don't respond put them over in this bucket no this is a time for us to test a variety of things with them through a variety of channels and see what matters most to them and how to get them engaged that's that's wise counsel
1: well, I, think and yes, that- I would add, you you mentioned the digital spike, right, which and being able to dig into that. And some of this may not be able to happen until we can catch our breath in 2021. Isn't that nice that I think we can catch our breath in 2021? Let's pretend that we can do that. But, but to be able to look back and see... Did like? are they going to behave like digital donors? Has the average age of your digital donor changed? Has their likelihood to open and click on things in the future changed from what was your status quo before? Because it, it could be that just more people are using the channel, but it could be more different people, different giving behaviors, different. So all of that, I think, has to be peeled apart if any of your giving patterns have changed this year. And maybe you yeah. discovered they're the same, but but probably not.
0: But probably not. And, and you know, to your point about ke- catching your breath as marketers were also caught up in the jet stream, right? Because now all of a sudden it's, it's not that it's a marathon or a sprint. It's a sprinting marathon that we're on because <laughs> there's something yes. new that keeps coming at us. And so that's this, this, uh, this place that we find ourselves to trying to balance. Okay. We're used to, understanding what disaster donors look like, but now we have this new wave and unprecedented and that that's it's so complicated. Um, Josh, Max was hinting uh, or talking about this connection between optimism and giving. And that's something that you know quite a bit about. Could you speak to that connection and what it means for marketers?
2: Yeah, uh, right now people feel they're making a difference
0: um, when they uh,
2: give to uh, someone who's feeding, the, helping to feed the community. When they give to comfort dogs at a pet stop, when they give to um, a friend and family member who's been affected by being laid off and um, their unemployment insurance dropping out, um, they don't expect that to continue forever because they are optimistic. Um, you know, we're starting to see a shift to more people believing that 2021 um, is not going to be over yet. Um, so your desire to monitor those different areas of giving and really understand it, um, if we turn the corner, people afraid of the uh, uh, vaccines, they're cautious, um, there's not herd immunity, there's spikes all over the world, um, some of that optimism will start to fade pretty fast. But that just means that the uh, maybe the jet stream's a little higher um, and you really need to bring home to the your donors that came in in 2020 um, with clarity, how you're impacting, how that $20 gift has an impact, how that $50 gift has an impact, how $150 can do, what can it do that will help people who are facing this need? And, um, and interestingly, people are more interested Uh, more affected by those who they love and support health concerns than their own, Um, you know, for lots of reasons. One, it's younger and they feel they're, you know, know, I'm going to wear this mask not because it'll protect me, but protect others. Um, There's, you know, the solutions being offered by uh, our society for this issue, if you think about it, are are getting people towards what giving is all about, right? It's going beyond yourself, uh, helping others. Um, but organizations can't assume that everybody gets what they do. Now, having said that, we know that when you tell anybody too much about your organization, they get overwhelmed. Um, and so if you're saying, Jude's, You keep talking and showing those bald-headed kids in Memphis, even though they're, you know, 12% of their total funding of of what they do um, because people understand it. So, you know, in visual media, which all, you know, uh, fundraising is becoming, it is just so important that you have clarity behind the mission of your organization why people gave to you, you know, the passion that they started giving to you in the first place, and these particular opportunities um, that as they get harder, you don't assume they're gone, uh, especially if um, people don't take the vaccine, especially if people give up on masks, you know, all those other things. So uh, 2021 is going to be, you know, incredibly fascinating from a research standpoint. Um, And as you probably know, you know, there are four buckets that I think about when people give. They give to their friends and family and neighbors who they see in need. It doesn't get recorded on any, you know, know, um, uh, tax savings because there is none. Um, They give to nonprofit organizations, of course. Um, They give to political organizations every four years. Um, And they give to their faith-based giving. Uh, what is uh, incredible about the this change this year towards as we look toward the fourth quarter is uh, people of color African Americans Hispanics and others um, are uh, really upping their giving but they're invisible because it's to their friends and families and you know people they know they're that they're passing cash to um, but its You know, uh, church giving usually has been a predictor of higher giving overall because people who give regularly give to more things, more loyally. Um, So if they're giving, if they see the need and they think they're making a difference with their neighbor and friends and family, they are more likely to be some of the people who give to you out of the normal cycle. Um, The political will come and go. But every four years, there's a surge in giving in the US because that is that, you know, what you were speaking about earlier, that separate bucket, you know, that, you know, the money I give to the candidate of my choice rarely impacts nonprofit organizations and um, uh, uh, giving to your friends and neighbors during that year. Um, some of the toughest uh, uh, changes will be among faith-based organizations because those that have adapted and are doing, you know, Bible studies face-to-face, you know, showing a community prayer session, you know, doing things, leveraging the new technologies um, are doing well or better. And those that just simply stream or live stream their service um, uh, are not doing as well. Um, so, you know, how you accommodate for your own people that have been giving to you and you, that you've been serving greatly affects the outcome.
0: Shannon, how do you process all of that? Like this is now all of a sudden we're, we're, we're getting, uh, bar- barometric pressure <laughs> within the jet stream. And, and like, there's incredible <laughs> amount of data that, that Josh is, is pouring into this conversation. How do you, how do you process all of that?
1: Right. Right. you know I, I think I think there are three things to to take into well we're, we're a week out from the elections we're you know into your end at this point so um it's kind of where do we pick up from here and and make sure that we're aligned and and I think three three points on that Justin the first is this idea of optimism and I, and I, I just don't think we can draw enough underlines. On that uh, during this conversation, whatever happens next week in the election, no matter what the outcome is, um, there will be about half of the country that feels like it's reeling. Um, maybe maybe more of us feel like we, if we're reeling, but at least fifty percent are going to be about fifty percent are going to be angry, hurt, confused, um, you know, disenfranchised, all sorts of negative words that we can associate with that. And so then you put in this idea of optimism and of the correlation between optimism and giving optimism let's use the word hope so how can we as nonprofits be and this not this isn't I mean this is a mutual win-win it's like how do we position ourselves with optimism and with hope to help our beneficiaries because our donors are going to be more interested in us but we're also helping the donors it's that psychology of giving it's the The chicken and the egg, the optimism and the giving, how do we feed into that and help, you know, indirectly heal what's coming? We're we're headed into uh, some difficult times here. And so, um, you know, taking a step back from that, we're, we're accustomed to seeing lifts in giving around election times. And historically, those have been towards issues that are hot topics with the election, like politicized issues, in 2016 we saw the lift in giving at the year end, and it wasn't limited to political issues necessarily. It was this, it was people giving as an as an act of activism. It was there, and um, and giving to organizations that just made them feel good that had nothing to do with some of the issues. So, um, you know, as we are headed into another cycle that could have that same sort of of just intense reaction. Nonprofits need to be the vehicle that connects donors with a sense of positivity and purpose. So let's be that over the next couple of weeks, and let's let's be that message in people's inboxes. Um, so that's point one. Point two, being a little more pragmatic here, strategic management is really about four steps, right? It's it's scanning, planning, implementing, and then evaluating. And then it just feeds into that cycle. So from a fundraising point of view, we're at the implementation stage. We've scanned, we've planned, here we are, we're running. Um, And so some things are kind of preset. And so the first part of this is um, the organizations that did well through the spring and summer are the ones that stayed the course. So if you sort of panic and hit the button and say, wait a minute, like, how can we go out and talk about our mission right now? Because there's something else that's going on in the world. And it might seem like we're tone deaf if we're talking about our need or our issues or the, the work that we're doing. You know what? If you hit pause for a week or two in November or December because somebody internally, you know, is a little bit squeamish, you don't get to reclaim that time. That is year end time that is gone. So, I'm, you know, you don't want to be um, you don't want to put your blinders on, but you really need to stay out there. Don't kind of panic in the moment. But the flip side of that is also don't be an idiot. (laughs) So look around, keep doing it sort of in a a micro way, keep doing that scanning, planning, implementing, and evaluating. If there is, if we're all waiting with bated breath on ballot counts out of one state and the deadline is tomorrow, then maybe that email that you're planning to send at 3 p.m. tomorrow should be moved because it's going to disappear into the noise. So just because it's out there, just because that's the date that looks perfect on your calendar and when you've always sent it before like, you know, reality check, kind of step back and look at that. So stay the course, but be smart about it. Um, and then, you know, really point three here is that um, we're seven months smarter than we were in March. <laughs> we, we didn't wake up in March saying, gosh, you know, we have a lot to learn, but we have learned a lot. And so um, let's do that, not just with our fundraising, but but really look closely at our staff and operations right now, because some of us were caught flat footed or, or some of us, you know, adapted really quickly to things like working from home and, you know, figuring out all that, that piece. Do we have that plan in place if something happens at your end? So what happens if your digital manager loses internet access at her home office or your day-to-day account person at your agency gets sick? And is you know completely offline for a couple of days. Who is the backup? Who has the logins? Who knows what's supposed to be executed? Who has sign-off authority? Who you know all of those pieces benched up at year end has always been a vulnerability for for nonprofits and fundraising. That's you know we're we're all operating on a, a shoestring and everybody's putting on lots of hats. But I think this year in particular, um, risk mitigation here is. I mean, it's not just important, it's necessary because um, we can't, it was one thing to, to have to sort of shuffle and adjust in March and April. You, again, you can't reclaim a week in November, December. You can't reclaim December 30th and 31st on January 3rd. So, you know, think and, and how you're building those layers. You
3: know, I, I hear you say that and, and the contingency planning and we were involved in a, uh, in, in a webinar together where uh, there was much talk about all of these different contingency plans on how to pivot pivot situations just like what you were, you were suggesting, Shannon. But there's also a little bit of our own medicine that we need to take for our own people. You know, we say you need to love up on your donors. You need to do some stewardship. We need to do some internal stewardship here mm-hmm. because one of the things that's happening with a lot of people is the COVID burning. Uh, the, the fact that, that, you know, people just find themselves yeah. working all the time. Uh yeah. You know, you, you get a bad backache because, oh my goodness, I haven't left this chair for eight hours because of all the different things that are happening. I, my colleagues are tired of hearing me say that, but the but the the issue is that we do need to plan in some of that that internal stewardship. You know, contingency planning, risk mitigation, and internal stewardship to love up. People, I I think that is uh, definitely seven months smarter. That's part of the smarter too.
1: Yeah, you're Mm -hmm. absolutely right. And, And having that now and then planning for that after you get through that year-end crunch too, so it's we can all say that now, and we can be as intentional and purposeful as as you know we can. And then there's some of the reality of some of this just needs to happen, and and people do get into that momentum of the moment, and we can expect some some crash there in January. Allow for that, give everybody a little space, and then come back stronger and and dig into the results and see where you need to go from here. But yeah, Max, I'm so glad you brought that up. That's really where we we can start flying too fast, and we miss that.
0: Yeah. Uh- uh, you know, eye fatigue in addition to back aches, right? Because of yes. the zoom fatigue that that we're all facing. and And so we're, I mean, really in, here's what I love about this conversation is that you know we we started by talking about the research itself, but now we're talking about the application of the research into our own organizational structure and development. And I think that's powerful. and And I can't say thank you enough for the three of you to be a part of this conversation today. Uh, The full research is available. This is the first of many conversations we're gonna have around this. And so I just, you know, thank you guys for taking the time for this and for buckling up through the remainder of this year.
3: We appreciate the opportunity, thank you.
0: Thank you, it's been great. Thanks guys. okay so there's the chat with Shannon and Max and Josh uh, what a profound group I mean you guys uh, it's uh, it's so fun to get to have these conversations and enlightening and uh, motivating and revealing about things that are happening in our space and just what a what a great conversation um, hey I mentioned at the top the the most recent fundraising effectiveness project. Uh, and their report for the second quarter of 2020. Let me give you four stats that, uh, that are the headline stats about giving. 7.2% increase in donors in 2020 over 2019. 7.5% in, uh, increase in donations. Uh, 1.8%, almost a 2% increase in retention. And that's a sleeper stat of the year right there a near 2% increase in retention through two quarters, that's going to have a long tail impact. And then a 12.6% increase in new donors. So those stats uh, to me speak to the overwhelming generosity that we've seen at this point in the year. And that's all the more reason why this research project that we put together with the Nonprofit Alliance was so important, was so important. And so... Uh, the research study is available now it's available at rkdgroup.com slash 2020 zero, zero giving that's uh, 2020 giving if you go to rkdgroup.com uh, you'll see all sorts of ways to get to it or in social at rkd group on any of the social platforms um, but it's just it's so important to understand how how donors think and feel and uh, and especially as we go through these last two months of the year, understanding how they think and feel can help us meet their needs, which is a part of us solving our greater problem uh, in the missions and areas that we work. But I did want to come back to something that I found to be so interesting about this panel conversation. And, and I, I don't know if you caught it uh, near the tail end when we started talking about making sense of the information and certainly making sense of the connection between uh, optimism and philanthropic support. And Shannon started talking about a number of applications for nonprofits, ways to put this information into practice and words of wisdom. And They were very wise, the words of wisdom that she was sharing. And then there was this other thing that happened. And and Max came right behind Shannon and started talking about loving on your internal team in the same way that you're thinking about loving on your donors. And for some time, we've been talking about what it means to love on your donors. If you go back and, and even listen to early in Group Thinkers, whenever we had Angel Aloma from Food for the Poor, we talked about what does it mean to steward donors? What does it mean to, to focus in on relationships and You know, I got to tell you, I just, I appreciate so so much that Max would highlight the need for nonprofit marketers to also focus on their colleagues, their peers, their teams, their employees, their volunteers, and in a time of uncertainty, when we are all so nonstop to make it a point to reach out and, and love on someone. I just thought that was a great note. It's something that stood out to me as I was listening back to the conversation and, and hopefully it stood out for you too, as well as other things. So that's it for this episode. And a special thanks to my three guests for their participation in the episode. It was a wonderful chat. I look forward to having more chats like this, even with those same three in the, the future. Uh, can't wait to have them on again. Uh, say it every time, but throw us a follow at GroupThinkers. You can find us on twitter and instagram there throw a follow to at rkd group as well and uh thanks for checking out this episode we'll see you next time see you down the road group thinkers is a production of rkd group for more information visit rkdgroup.com podcast Special thanks to our production team, including the talented Ryan Mellinger for his work on mixing every episode. Also, a shout out to the content team that helps pull together research and guests, but the marketing efforts behind Group Thinkers, Suzanne, Ronnie, and others for their work on this and every episode of Group Thinkers.